Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's August 13th, 2013. Hey, it's 1313. Is that something special? Wow. I'm Jimmy Carbonia, Jimmy's number 43 in the Good Beer Seal, and got some special guests. My good buddy, Maya Raposa from Brooklyn Brewery. How are you, Maya? Very good. How are you? All right. And June Russell, our uh, grains expert from Green Markets in New York City. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a pretty cool show. Uh, I know Maya was up at the... BCTC in Cooperstown two weekends ago, and uh, we were there too. Had a great time. What did you think about BCTC this year, Maya? I thought it was beautiful as always. So every brewery up there is supposed to bring uh, like a Belgian style beer. What beers uh, was Brooklyn Brewery serving? We brought. Um, I actually tried to bring the Green Market Wheat, but we did not have our New York State registration in time, so I couldn't bring that. Uh, but we did bring our other refermented beers. We brought Local One, Local Two, and Sriracha Ace. That's great. Well, one thing we're doing today is we're tasting the, the new Green Market Wheat. Uh, that's a collaboration between Brooklyn Brewery and the Green Markets. And why don't you guys tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's pretty cool, and, and I really like the beer. Sure. Well, I can start with just sort of the, the beer specs for it. Um, essentially, it's just a 5.5% ABV um, Belgian wit beer. Uh, what makes it pretty special is that it's got 70% New York-grown grains, and wheat, um, and it's also got some New York State honey from Tremblay Farms, and it's got some Indian coriander and orange peel. So it makes it for a really nice, a little bit sweet, but still a really good dry finish, nice traditional wit. Right. Um, so you guys at Brooklyn Brewery get involved in a, a lot of special projects. I know you're opening a small brewery in, in Sweden, mm-hmm. but you guys have also been doing these traveling you know, food and beer shows around the country. Well, what's the new thing that's going on um, is it the MASH? Yeah, so the MASH is our 11-city um, tour that we started this year. Uh, we're over halfway done. We've got, I think, five cities next. Um, so we're going to be in D.C. in September. We'll be in Chicago, Philly, Pittsburgh, and then Miami. But we kicked it off at South by, uh, South by Southwest in Austin in March. And uh, it's a pretty cool program. We're collaborating with Slow Food USA and partnering with them as our charity partner for every city. Um, and then we also hired a house chef named Andrew Gerson, who is going and doing beer dinners at all of the cities, and then an event producer as well. Well, wow, that's terrific. I mean, it seems like since Brooklyn Brewery expanded in, in Brooklyn a couple of years ago, you guys are really doing so many things. I remember, uh, you know, first of all, I know with Garrett Oliver, it's almost like this center for brewers around the world, right? When they come to New York, they get to go to meet with Garrett and do collaborations. Definitely. Um, so it's definitely a good thing for New York that you guys stayed here and expanded. Um, do you want to say anything about that and, and about some of the other programs that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, what's what's really cool about the MASH is that at the core of everything that we do here, you know, we really work a lot with community organizations and different artists, different chefs here. So really what the MASH is is bringing that to other cities so it's all about 
even though the events are sort of the same throughout the entire mash and they're sort of replicated in each city, it really brings what's interesting about those cities out. So it's all about bringing our friends from Brooklyn to those cities and then having them collaborate with local people. So whether it's local chefs there, local artists, local bands, those people are all invite like all involved to make the mash really unique for each city. Well wow. and, and when you're when you're traveling I mean, are there certain beers that are that are hits in certain cities, or there's certain export beers that are the most popular? Um, well, one thing that we do is break out a lot of the reserves that don't usually make it out. So, you see those at special events here in the city and at Ghost Bottle Nights. Um, but for every mash, they really get a lot of the special beers that like we don't even really get to see here. So, it gives people a little bit of a treat. And how did you guys get involved with, with Green Market? I mean, this is a pretty cool project. I know Green Market's trying to do some branded, you know, products, maybe pickles or something down the road. But, um, you know, how did you guys decide to make a Green Market beer? Sure. Well, um, our executive director, Marcel Van Oyen, was interested in doing some, exactly as you're saying, some branded products under the Grow NYC name. And um, our first product was actually dirt that David Hurd put together, and that came out of our compost project. So I love it that our first product product was actually dirt followed by beer um <laughs> taking care of the essentials we got our priorities in order is there so- a mix dirt and beer <laughs> well <laughs> soil first and then and then uh, and then beer um and uh we met with steve and ben about a year ago or so and discussed the possibility of doing a green market beer and they were totally game um for you know all the reasons many reasons they're terrific guys and um, get what we're about, and you know, from the beginning, there's um, there's a law that uh, Cuomo's Governor, Governor Cuomo's law, the farm brewery law, um, actually set this up to make it possible in the first place. So there was a to be a farm brewery, you need to use 20 percent of your ingredients um, grown in New York State. Requirements at Green Market are a little bit higher, though. And from the beginning, when we told Steve what those were, he said, "Well, we want to we want to comply with your rules, so we want to be higher than 60 percent." Um, and then it was a matter of matchmaking. I think you guys had already made a beer previously with North Country Farm and yeah. worked with Kevin Richardson on that. And uh, this time around, um, we've got Valley Malts involved and one of our growers, Peter Martins, uh, who was growing the barley. Um, I think they also had already worked with Alan Tremblay, one of our farmers. Yep. Um, so it was an easy, easy conversation to, to make. And... Um, and very excited to see it come to fruition. So are you selling this beer at Green Markets around the city? We are. It's at two markets right now. Well, both the Union Square, Union Square Wednesday, Union Square Saturday. Uh, there's a small tent set up, and um, we're selling the beer there. And $4 off of every bottle goes to Grow NYC. Um, and then I think that there's also a percentage of sales elsewhere that would go to the organization. So this ends up funding our programs and the work that we do um, to keep markets running and everything that Grow NYC does. Yeah, so you can get the beer as well at our brewery, and then you can also get it um, at all of the restaurants that are surrounding Union Square, um, in addition to a couple other places throughout the city. Wow, that's great. So, Maya, like, what's the process of making a special beer at Brooklyn Brewery? So we don't make a lot of them, so we have to really believe in the mission of the beer and what the beer is all about. Um, I think June explained it really well about how our philosophies really align together. Um, we've been supporters of the green market, both as individuals and as a company for a long time. 
Um, but to make the beer, I know that I can't really speak to this as well as some of our brewers, but for a beer like this, uh, the big issue is really dealing with the yields of the grain and wondering how the grains are going to work within our system. So I know that there was some some experimenting and a lot of conversation between Garrett and the brewers and the farmers just about how that grain would interact using our brewing methods. Um, in addition to that, you know, obviously the listeners can't see the bottle, but we did decide to just bottle it. So the label is made by Milton Glazer, who does all of our bottling. Looks really beautiful, has a lot of beautiful um, grain design on it. Um, but then we also decided to make it in our refermented bottles, much like how we um, Maggie's brew all taking of our photos. beers here. If you're on uh, Twitter, <laughs> at beer underscore sessions right now, Maggie's taking photos of the bottle if you haven't seen it. It's, it's pretty awesome. So Milton Glazer, like it's this, beautiful. he's like the designed I Heart New York logo. Yeah. And really, from the beginning, he made the Brooklyn Brewery logo, right? That he, everyone loved. Yep, he designed our logo. He does all of our packaging design. He does all of our new branding efforts. So to have him on board with this, I know his office is like three blocks from Union Square Green Market. So he was really excited about it as well. How can I get a Brooklyn Brewery hat? I will give you one. That's what I <laughs> would you give one to one of our listeners? I absolutely would. Okay, so, so Maggie's doing it. If, if, if you tweet, uh, what, what's the good thing? If you tweet uh, at beer underscore sessions and you go at Brooklyn Brewery and you say hashtag Milton Glazer, right? Beautiful. How's that? You will get a free Brooklyn Brewery hat from us. All right. <laughs> That's cool. No, because I've been to the brewery so many times and it was like, I remember a couple years ago we were there and it was like, Wow, it's like this, the cool Italian guys from uh, like Baladin and Del Borgo were there to talk to, to Garrett. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, wow. And another time, there's like the that um the the malt company from Germany. Uh, was it Wireman? Wireman, and uh, there was uh, the other guy that worked with uh, Garrett on the Oxford Encyclopedia of Beer. Yeah. Horse, Horse Thornbush. Like they're just hanging out there in the brewery, and I'm like, this really has become like like the beer central. From New York. And um, it seems like since you guys expanded, it really has made a difference. I mean, you need a brewery, right? You need to have a brewery, and, and you guys are doing special events. And um, I'm always amazed at what you guys are Like the tasting room, for example. What goes on there? I mean, you have edible... Yeah, every events. every day. The tasting room's basically open every day of the year, with some exceptions uh, being like Christmas Day, New Year's Day. Um, but we have, you know, we're open as a bar during the weekend, so we have over 3,000 people come in just to come drink between Friday and Sunday. Um, and then we do smaller, sort of more personalized tours during the week, and then we're open for special events every night. So whether it's local nonprofits having their fundraisers, um, the Edible magazines do a monthly series called How To. This month is a How To Prepare a Korean Feast, so we're doing kimchi and spices. Um, every, every month they're always different. Um, so we really jam-pack our calendar with stuff. Oh, it's, it's really awesome. Let's cheers to Broken Brewery. You guys are doing a great job. Thank Steve you. Steve Indy and Garrett. And, uh, yeah, I was at the Edible Good Beer event two weeks ago. closed out the July Good Beer Month. And, and I saw Garrett Oliver. And uh, he said, oh, by the way, these are the two guys from Sweden who will be running the, our new brew pub in, in you know whatever that city is. What's the city? Stockholm. It's in Stockholm. Stockholm. And I was like, wow. You know? <laughs> 
So you guys are is, is, is Sweden like your number one export market or something? Yeah, it's actually our number two market overall after New York City. So this is going to be it's really a collaboration brewery. Um, Garrett's going to be the brewmaster there. Um, all of the brewers will be Brooklyn trained. Everybody will actually be out in New York City in October for like their Brooklyn brewery training, um, and a, a lot of our brewers will be going over throughout the year to. Brew, um, Brewmasters Reserve stuff with them, brew special stuff with them. Um, so it will be very much a collaborative effort between here and in Stockholm. Wow. All right. Well, cheers, Maya. Thank you. It's so cool to have you. You know, Maya, first, one of the jobs I, I met you at, you worked at Jimmy's Number 43, and you helped it's set true. up a lot of beer events with us, and, uh, and you moved on to Brooklyn Brewery. So cheers. And thanks Feels for good coming to be back. On. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, trying to talk about the, this green market beer. This is really cool. I, I know that um, the the rules. For, I know in, in farmers markets in New York. Like, let's let's get this straight first. If you're a microbrewery, and you can get a tasting permit now to go and taste at farmers. Like I'm in Rhinebeck, upstate New York. They have just breweries there selling beer. But I know the green mar- New York City, the grow and say green markets. It's it's much tougher. And it's really based. What, what is the philosophy behind that? Because it's kind of the same as like bread and, and other sure. types of products. Well, yes. I mean, we come up against you do soon. That's my life. Some days but we're going to get deep. Today. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. We our, our our mission is to support regional agriculture and bring food into New York City to fresh food to New Yorkers, and um, that that space that we manage, we are by definition of our mission is supposed to be managing it on behalf of farmers and small farms, medium-sized farms in the region. So that's really where the focus of our um, the, our rules are. And as you know, I mean, you sit on our FCAC. Those are under discussion every year. We pick out topics that are priorities or if things are shifting, um, we'll discuss those and, and really looking at the ways that it will have an impact on the agriculture, but also the infrastructure. I was going to say when you were describing Brooklyn Brewery, it's a big deal that you're still here in Brooklyn. Very. Um, I mean, I love walking into the brewery there and seeing all the bottles, and you wouldn't know what they were, but Steve had said one day, he's like, those used to be all the breweries that were here in Brooklyn at one time, and there's hundreds of bottles there. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that infrastructure, that's another thing that's key to this project is connecting the growers to the end users and to the final customer and that we have that within our locale and can bring all that together. Um, but as far as, um, yeah, green market with the retail and the direct marketing is it's really precious space and it's grown only more precious over the years with you know, the, the interest in local agriculture and the amount of uh, the customer base that keeps growing and coming to our markets and then the competition just across the street outside of our markets. So we constantly have to justify how we're managing that space. And it really is the priority uh, is, is on behalf of farming. Um, and our, our producers feel very strongly about that. We have a process where we review our rules and people weigh in. And um, ultimately, the, that becomes the rules that we've had. And we've definitely worked um, hard to get those aligned and address in, inconsistencies. And that's been a priority of... Our director, Michael Hurwitz, is, um, since he came on there, and we've been working on the rules together. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's really farm-based. Now, the exception is the bakers, um, 
and you know a pickler maybe two picklers that we have preserves and people always mention them and they total the folks who are not farming are less than 10 percent of our producers that are at market and it's also a big reason why we put so much energy into revising our bakers rules and making them more mission supportive and that pretty much launched the whole grains project Great. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about that. We're going to have some calling guests, some monsters from Massachusetts. But Maya, thanks for coming on. To say one more thing about the MASH, what is that again? MASH is our 11-city tour that we're taking Brooklyn on the road with. Uh, next stop is Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. All right. Maya, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Right now, you're listening to Kill Me in the Summertime by the Dead Stars, and this is Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Keep it locked. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We just had Maya Raposa from Brooklyn Brewery telling us about their cool, you know, national traveling mash event. And uh, also we're talking about the, the green market uh, wheat beer that uh, they made with uh, Grow NYC. So uh, it's been a very cool month, man. We had uh, last month was July, Coop Beer Month. And then we kicked off August. Uh, we went up to Omegang and Cooperstown, the, the Belgian comes to Cooperstown event. Uh, it was pretty wild. We had so many New York State breweries up there, many that I'd never tried. And um, I just want to tell you that thanks to uh, greatbrewers.com, we've helped bring this podcast to you tonight. Hey, um, you guys make it work for us. So if you haven't taken the uh, Great Brewers Test, there's a, there's a Great Brewers Test 20 and a Great Brewers Test 100. Um, you should. I, I think I, last time I took the 100, I got a 72 out of 100. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. But we're going to call in guests, uh, our good buddies. Who's, is it Andrea or is it Christian? It's Andrea. Andrea Stanley, our buddy, uh, Valley Malt in Massachusetts, somebody that's helping to make local beer. And we're sitting here still with June Russell, who's uh, our grain expert in uh, 
Green Marcus in here. But, but Andrew, you're on. We're going to start talking. You stay with us. I'm going to say some fun things about June. So June, her real job is, if you've ever been to the green markets in New York, first of all, she likes to come to Jimmy's number 43 and drink beer, and we have a lot of good beers to drink. But, um, you know, if, if you're a farmer, she's the person in charge of inspections. So let's just say you come to the market and you're selling chickens, but you didn't grow those chickens, right, June? They, they're in trouble, right? Well, we're going to have a problem. That's, we'll have a problem with that. Yep. You know, if your chickens are your chickens, there's no problem. But if they're not and you can't prove it to us and, you know, there's there's audits that you do and it's just routine um, and that's what we look for. It's, it's you know, the customer trust in our markets is essential. So really, you, you guys have really set standards so that the farmers at the green markets in New York really are, you, you first enable them to keep their living because you're ensuring that they're growing and, and they get to have a market for their products. Yes, but then you're also like keeping out guys that they're just traders. So if some guy's good at buying up all the chickens and bringing them to market, he doesn't get to come to this market. No, no, no. It's yeah. a, we're a producer-only market. So, and then we have you know some specific rules within some categories that we're discussing. What would beverages be under and spirits that are new um, and just coming into the local foods uh, equation? Um, but yeah, it's it's either you need to be growing. Um, what you're selling or making it, producing it in some way. So what's like the worst thing that someone ever did in a market? I, Besides showing up late. Because <laughs> I know the rules are really tough. <laughs> um, I have confidentiality agreements and can't answer those questions. <laughs> uh, right. But I do, I do have stories. Unfortunately, I can't share them. Yeah. We just want to let you know that this is a very like serious person here in the room with us. But the, the, real, the thing you've done that, that, that from our side on beer... Is um, you guys are you've really been behind the, this grain initiative? You made a great video. Um, you've been involved in NOFA. This is like the serious show today. We're talking about, but how do you actually make beer? You need grain and you need hops and you need water. So, and Andrea, you're on too. So, um, why don't well, you say a little about how you started the grain initiative and why why that's important to you guys and uh, how sure. it's led to making beer? Well, it really did start with um, as I was mentioning in the earlier. Um, segment here that we're trying to make our bakers more mission supportive um, because of the space that we manage and that it's for farmers and it has to be supporting regional agriculture in some way. And um, so we went, I was looking for local flour. Is there such a thing as local flour? Can we find it? Who's doing what, where, and where can we set our expectations if we were to change our rules um, to require our bakers to use local flour, which we did and they do. And the average now is 50% for green market bakers, uh, 50% local flour. And there was really, you know, a lot, this has been a phenomenal time to work in sustainable ag because so many things are coming together. And we met researchers who are working on uh, variety trials, trying to develop bread wheat specifically, um, but also realizing that across the board, if you look at grains, and all of the grains that could be grown in the Northeast. It was much broader than uh, hard wheat, you know, hard spring wheat for bread production. It's like, well, you can make pastries, or we could be making whiskey, or we could be making beer. So really, you know, thinking from a farming perspective and what sort of rotations farmers could be working um, with on their farms and having marketable crops, we really did some brainstorming and looking at all those different grains and what those applications would be. And then uh, three and a half years ago, we had a meeting 
and um, called bakers to the room and chefs. And at that point, Tuttletown was the only distillery. Uh, we knew they were working with local grain. They were buying corn from Lightning Tree in Dutchess County. Um, but uh, the beer makers was was missing. There was this mysterious thing called malt. It's like, what is malt? And we're like, well, I don't know, but it comes from Belgium. Okay. Um, and it was kind of the end of the conversation with them. And um, so you know, with Valley Malt coming onto the scene, like it is, was the huge missing piece. And um, that's no small thing. The infrastructure that we have lost over the last 100 years is has been, it depends on how you look at it. It's been devastating. Um, to many rural communities, it's been, we've lost a lot of our food independence. And so slowly it's coming back um, with folks like Christian and Andrea. And, and uh, cheers to you guys. Cheers. I cracked open your Emmer beer, Andrea. Oh, it's really good, too. <laughs> so before we get to Andrea. I'm actually let, drinking uh, it as well. <laughs> All right, well, tell us. Andrea, tell us about your Emmer beer. This is well, pretty good. Well, it's not my Emmer beer, but it was beer made from uh, barley that we malted and Emmer that we malted. And uh, I was made at the People's Pint up in Greenfield, Massachusetts, as a seasonal uh, farmhouse-style beer. So it's an Emmer Saison. And it's pretty tart and got a really interesting, refreshing No, it's, it's really good. I mean, I, I'm not going to speak. I'm not a home brewer, so I won't tell you the difference. But no, definitely great. Like earlier, we had the green, the green market wheat beer that Brooklyn Brewery made, and and when you had enough wheat beers, you know there, there's a wheat quality that to a beer, and and it's easiest thing is to try some German Hefeweizens or something, you know. So the, the wheat gives a certain quality to a beer, and, and 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 different grains do as well. I'm a big fan of rye. Um, I wonder what you think about that, Andrea. I mean, people have said that you can't make a, an all rye rye beer. But then other people say that rye grows so well in the Northeast that, that we should be making more beer with rye. Yeah, I actually was just talking with Chris Loring from Notch. And we every year he does a Valley Malt BSA beer, which is Brewers Supported Agriculture. And uh, he always kind of... BS beer, what? Help to choose the grain bill. And I we suggested this year doing a Rogan beer, so a beer with a good percentage of rye in it. And uh, that was because we've harvested a lot of rye this year. It's looked really good. Um, we have some new varieties of rye that are being cultivated and harvested around, so we want to try to highlight some of the positive things that are happening with people who are growing rye in the New England and New York area. And I, lo- I mean, I think rye is one of those grains that once people discover, you know, it seems like something that is a secondary, second-tier kind of a grain. But once you discover rye, I think it's just delicious in both bread and in beer. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of rye. Yeah. We're actually, there's been a rye shortage this year because people have discovered rye in our bakers. And it may be because of the Nordic Foods trend and um but also people realizing it's it's delicious so all of our farmers mm-hmm. were sold out of it probably three months ago but it has great potential it's such a scrappy hardy grain it can grow under all sorts of conditions and um so it's well that's it when we talk about you know local food and stuff it's like you know there, there's certain hops that will grow in this area and certain grains and you know, I'll take a rye beer. I'll take an emmer beer. I'll take a spelt beer. You know, we don't have to grow the same grains that they grow in Bavaria or something, right? 
But there, there is. We were talking about this the other day, Andrew, with um, you know doing a dinkle beer. Or is that how you pronounce dunkel, it? Dunkel, yeah, dunkel, a dunkel beer next, um, and getting because spelt is another one that grows very well in the northeast. Um, it's already here. You know, we could get more farmers growing it as well, and has a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of good qualities to it. Andrew, let, let's yeah. just uh, give a shout out. We're talking, you know, we we're, we're, we're like to talk to a lot of brewers and, and beer bars and stuff. So uh, it's funny you introduced me to Chris from Notch Brewing uh, last winter. You guys had a special event, didn't you? Uh, at, at Valley Mall was that last summer? Am I am I that other? Oh, we have our barley fest now. Yeah. It's an annual event, and it's a harvest event that. Uh, we have in October this year. It's going to yeah, be October so I'm talking 12th about last October. Yeah. We do tours of the malt house, and then we also have a whole bunch of beers on tap um, that you know come from all the different brewers that we work with. So you guys, so you guys we'll have are a keg in, of this Brooklyn Green Market wheat. Yeah, and you guys are in Western Mass again, right? Is it Hadley Mass? Or Hadley it? Massachusetts. Hadley Mass. Yep. And information about Barley Fest is on our website. So, um, so last year you invited me. It was a long time ago. So it's coming up. Do you know when it's going to be this year in October? It's October 12th. The I would, I would really like to go about, up. Jimmy, is our farmer brewer winter weekend. Oh, wait, that's when's in, that? That's in January. I might like to come to that, too. Yeah. You know? but, but I know you guys are so cool. But so let's talk about Chris because Notch Brewing, it's so cool that you introduced me to him. And then all the yep. guys I know, like every, what I love about beer now is that Every area has this Hudson Valley guys, there's New York City guys, and in Massachusetts there's some cool guys. There's Notch, and I met these guys recently uh, from Mystic and Chelsea. And you're always talking yep. about the People's Pint, uh, which is yep. which is over by you. Um, yep. What do you think about the the beer scene in Massachusetts? Because you must sell most of your malt to Massachusetts, right? Is that we correct? do sell a lot of our malt in Massachusetts. Um, I, you know, I mean, I just think that the Massachusetts beer scene is, and especially in Boston, there's a new brewery there now also called Trillium. They're in the um, Fort Point area, so sort of like around where the Children's Museum, right around where the Children's Museum is, and where the Seaport area is, and they're making amazing beers there, um, and they're just selling growlers right out of their little shop. And um, I don't know, I see a lot of breweries that are starting now and are interested in having at least one beer be from local ingredients. And so, you know, it's kind of neat how that is now getting integrated into maybe an identity for Massachusetts beer and for New England beers is being able to use local ingredients. And and what about Chris at Notch? Just tell us a little bit about him and... You know, what grains does he buy from you, and what kind of beers is he making? Well, he's making session beers, so I think all of his beers are under 5%. And uh, he makes an amazing Pilsner, and that is, you know, just perfect on a hot summer day. He also makes um, a Saison, which he uses uh, our wheat for his Saison. And then he does this annual Valley Malt BSA Harvest beer, and that comes out around in October every year, um, and that's just kind of a direct result of okay, what you know, what was harvested this year, and what can we do that's different. So it changes every year, um, the style and, and what grains are being used. And uh, yeah, he's been in the brewing industry. He you know has been around I want to say for fifteen or twenty years, 
I think it's a really, well, I know it's a really tight-knit community in Massachusetts. All the brewers are, you know, have been around for a while. and um, You know, I'm, we're here in New York City, but I'm originally from Haverhill, Massachusetts. And uh, it's funny because I never thought there would be a brewing scene up there. But even in the last few years, mm-hmm. like, and, and the guys in Mystic in, in, in Chelsea, Mass., they're pretty cool. So, uh, and our buddies yeah. Wandering Star, they're out in, uh, I think they're in Pittsfield, right? Pittsfield, yep. And have they made uh, any beers with your with your malts as well? Yeah, they did. I want to say they also made a Saison-style beer with, uh, with wheat from Massachusetts. Let me make, I want to make a toast to the Massachusetts maltster. Going way back to the time of the Revolutionary War, there's a guy that yeah. we've all heard of. But there's a misnomer. It's, the guy's name was Sam Adams, but he wasn't a brewer. <laughs> he was a maltster. And it seems yeah. like, like, you know, with Le- the, the Levi Strauss going out to the California gold rush, instead of mining for gold, he made jeans. Uh, it was Sam Adams was there making malt for all the local breweries. So I feel like you've yeah. got this special niche, but um, why is it that you're the only ones doing it, Andrea? I mean, you would think there'd be a maltster in every city in the Northeast. Like what's Well, I think there will be. You know, probably if you want to <laughs> go along with Sam Adams, somebody probably used to ask Jim Cook a lot, why isn't there anybody else out there microbrewing? And I think it's just going to take time. People will hopefully realize that it's a viable, fun and, and we need the industry to be a part of. The, the, the grain production is, is just beginning. We're only... Not that long into it, four or five years maybe. So the production to support that is still coming along. Mm. Yep. It's yeah. cool. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are talking about, we've talked about hops, and now we're realizing that you need, you need grain, and the, the malted grain as the base of beer. We're going to take a short break. Um, this is a very cool show. And, in fact, I'm here with three women, and it's just me, and uh, this is the best day of my life on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. This one's called Leaving by the Dead Stars, and you are still listening to Beer Sessions Radio on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Keep it locked. So, you like good beer? Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You know, it's a party every night here. Um, at the bar, they always have good beers. We had Peekskill Eastern Standard IPA. There's a Jolly Pumpkin uh, Bam Beer on draft right now. Uh, in fact, all the new Jolly Pumpkins. You know, we talk so much about local beer, but there's so many great beers around the country right now. And uh, Jolly Pumpkin is one of my favorites. They're out in, Mich- in Dexter, Michigan. 
And I know we just got a shipment Ooh. of the Lucianaga, which is the, um, I don't know, it's a special beer that I'm going to tap on Thursday. But I want you to know it's my birthday on Saturday. Uh, every year is a little different, but when, when it gets to my birthday, I get pumped. And uh, Jimmy's number 42 this week, and if you're around, we're going to have Duty CL, Rigor Mortis. We're going to have some special Jolly Pumpkins that just came in. Uh, Wild Beer Company from England has a Somerset Saison, and, and a few other local beers, like our buddies from Newburgh and Barrier, we're hooking it up. So um, it's quite a weekend, and it's my birthday. So cheers to me, because you know what? Happy birthday, Jimmy. I like my birthday. So I'm just going to party Happy for the next birthday. five days. Thanks, Happy Andrew. birthday, Jimmy. Andrew's still here. That's right. Okay. So we got Justin Kennedy, who's uh, one of our buddies from Beer Sessions Radio, and he's a writer, and uh, our, our Maggie... Jane Seiden, who's also been a big part of the team this summer. So we're hanging out with uh, June Russell from uh, Green Markets and Andrea Stanley from Valley Malt. And we're drinking this, the Emmer beer. So, Andrea, who made the beer again? It's really good. Emmer. Emmer's the new grain, right? People's Pint up in Greenfield, Massachusetts. They're a pub brewery. They've got a 15-barrel system, and um, they pump out a lot of really interesting farm, well, you know, kind of, British ales, but also some farmhouse style beers. No, it rocks. And actually, and our how did June, how did June, employee now at Valley Malt, his name is Nick, and Nick Gagnon, and he works for us part time, and he works at the People's Pint part time. So he gets to do the malting side and the brewing side. So he really can see the um, the process all the way through. So Andrea, uh, June brought the. Uh, we, there's a growler of this Emmer beer from People's Pint. And June, how did yeah. you get the beer? Did you go up to Valley Mall? Yeah, I was just up in Massachusetts for the NOFA conference this weekend, um, actually presenting on one of our grant projects uh, that has to do with grains um, at their summer conference there. And and um, and Andrea had this Emmer beer for me to try, so it was great. June has and, been begging for an Emmer <laughs> beer for about a year now, so there was... Uh, we, we wanted to make sure that we malted some Emmer and eventually had a beer made out of it so that June could finally get to try an Emmer beer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. June, can, and, you, can you tell us what an Emmer beer is? I, I can't tell you about or the beer. I can, I can tell you about the grain, sure. Um, yeah, I was hoping you guys could tell me more about this beer because this is, in a, this is a style I'm not so familiar with. But, um, no, Emmer is a grain um, that's doing very well in the Northeast. We've gotten some of the seed stock from North Dakota, which was brought by like Russian and Ukrainian immigrants probably 200 years ago. Um, a lot of folks mislabel it as faro, and I won't go down that path and explain why. Um, but it's like, it's truly one of the ancient grains. It was, einkorn was the first, emmer was second. Um, it's a high protein grain, and um, it's uh, got great potential in the Northeast we're working on some of the uh, equipment needs that we would need to have in order to put it into full production um, because it has a husk on it, so it needs to be dehulled and uh, dehulling equipment. And these are all some of the barriers that we're finding to get agricultural products into the marketplace. So You guys are green market. You guys have a lot of money, so you guys should be able to talk to the governor and like, well, shouldn't you be able to go around the whole state and say, hey, we can put in hop harvesting machines and, and malt facilities and all this in every region of the state, right? It's not, isn't that easy? It's, it, well, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's not that easy. I mean, that's where you get, like, you know, the model that Christian and Andrea have, have put together with doing Valley Malt is showing, like, what it takes. And this is, this is on a small scale. 
Um, it's a lot of hard work. It's now specialized equipment because, you know, so much of our agricultural system has become very efficient and very centralized. So to decentralize that is, I mean, it took us over 100 years to get to this place. It's going to take us probably a couple more years. First, Maggie, I, Maggie's here. I bet you can track down people's pint. Let's try to at least get them on Twitter and ask them how they made the Emmer beer. The one thing I'll say, steering us back to grains, is that, you know, I know like our buddies McKellar from, from Denmark, they did a hop series. They did even a yeast series, which was, I think, harder for people to grasp. But the grain series is so basic because, you know, the, we have a barley or we have blends, and we've all been used to rye. Even Sierra Nevada has, like, a rye IPA. Um, but, you know, Emmer and Spelt, and these are more like local, local things. Um, I think that... Whatever. It's interesting, right? I mean, you think it's interesting, too. But yeah. pretty much, this Jimmy, is an also, ale. Also, uh, the triticale, I don't know if that rings a bell, but remember when you had Kelly Taylor on the show, he made a beer out of triticale, which is a wheat-rye hybrid grain that he just loves making, you know. Yeah, and Bud, uh, Budweiser special, makes beer with uh, rice and corn, you know. So. Exactly. But, no, that's what I'm saying. That's what's so cool is that, you know, if, for every grain, it's interesting. But I do think that does bring up something. Everyone talks about, you know, local ag, and I know that the state's behind yogurt, <laughs> you know, so Chobani gets, is, is bringing money to the state, but I, I really am a big fan of saying, hey, if we need to put in systems to help grain growers and all that, then that can also lead to things like beer and jobs. But uh, how about this, um, June? This is an intense show for me. I'm getting kind of deep, and, and, you know, I'm a little out of my league, but that's why we have June and Andrew. So, June, uh, what are some of the farms that you work with who are growing grains and and they could also potentially be growing grains for beer? Because I know you know all the farms. Uh, I don't know all the farms. I know mostly farms that come to Green Market and then some others, you know, that I cross paths with. But And the big one is Lakeview Organic, certainly the Martins. And Andrea works with them, um, both Kloss and Peter, his son Peter. Um, they're, they were feed grain producers and they've sort of easily moved into the food grains market and they're I mean they're great they're 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 such important figures in in this whole equation because they're fantastic teachers and they're really generous people um and then there's Tor Oshner who we love uh, he's one of the farmers that owns farmer ground flour that works with Cayuga Pure it's Organic like Ithaca New York right yes exactly Trumansburg and um, he is, you know, as they're developing markets for the food-grade grains, the spirits, you know, and now beer have become important markets for them because food-grade targets, especially if you're going to bake with a local flour, those can be hard to achieve in the Northeast, and that's a whole other conversation. Um, there's a guy, PGM40, who's sort of in the middle of the state, good grain grower there's lightning tree is still putting out some grain there even though alton Earnhardt is a little bit mia right now um and then i love the you know going back to the valley malt and your guys model andrea that you guys are working with small growers in the pioneer valley and working with vegetable growers who want to put grains into rotation and then you know work with people to like rest their field and put it in maybe a crop of rye one year um, so that they can still get the the nutrition that they need in the soil, and that's going to help vegetable production. And I really like what you guys are doing there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see how it evolves on a larger scale for the farmers like the Martins and Tor Oshner that we work with in New York. 
where they're growing, say, 80 acres for us. And then also farmers up in Maine that can grow 150 acres for us. But then we work with small vegetable farmers around here that might just be growing 1 to 10 acres for us. And they're doing it kind of for different reasons, but it all goes back to people trying to do things um, sustainably. You know, it's all part of the sustainable agriculture uh, mentality. Andrea. So a lot of them are doing it to kind of put the land into a cover crop or, you know, like a, a, a year of rest before um, putting vegetables back on it. Andrea, we definitely need to come back with June and you and, and do really a serious talk about grain and beer. But I'm going to throw out a couple things. So first, there's a lot of new breweries. Some of them are making beer. Some aren't, and they're contracting. But we're telling everybody, you need to up your game. You need to start working with local ingredients because that's really the future. It's the only way to differentiate yourself is uh, this Emmer beer today. It's like, wow, if I work with a local grain that, that works for my area, I can make a distinctive beer. You know, At some point, you, you make an IPA, American Pale Ale, whatever you're making. You just can't add tarragon or chili. You actually have to work with local grain. And then what you're doing, first, People's Pint also. Maggie's trying to track them down, but we've heard your name so many times, People's Pint. We want you on the show, and we know you're doing something very cool. And you guys, Andrew, have something special going on up there. And the other thing is, outside of New York is, is really where the action is right now. We love all the new breweries, but we're finding that you know this summer we've been going up the Hudson Valley, and you, and you guys are talking about Massachusetts, that really, again... There's so many cool things going on, but there is a connection between agriculture and beer. So that being said, for Andrea, how hard is it to be a maltster? Like, can't we just all set up an oven and toast some grain and uh, make beer from that? Or really, what's what's involved in, in being a maltster? Because it's kind of the underlooked thing we, that of, of beer, especially with all the well, homebrewers listening to the show. I think from the beginning of time, being a maltster is one of those jobs where you have to know... I mean, really, when you think about making a beer, it starts in the field. And it, it's a continuum that just has a couple of pauses along the way. So you're growing the grain, it gets harvested, there's a pause. Then it gets malted, there's a pause. And then it, it gets brewed, and there's a pause, you know, then there's the final product. But really, it's a continuum because what starts in the field is what's going to end up in the glass. And so as a maltster, you kind of have your eye on every single part of that continuum. So I'm concerned about the soil that the grain is being planted in, the um, variety that's being planted, the time of year that it's being planted, the growing conditions while it's growing, how it's being harvested, how it's being stored. And then, so that that's all a concern. And then it comes to me, and then I have to actually do my job, which is malt it. So making sure that I'm steeping it properly and sprouting it properly and kiln, you know, drying it down properly, and then if I make it into a specialty malt, you know, how am I going to roast it and that kind of thing. And then I have to be concerned about the brewer and, you know, making sure that um, they understand what the malt is, how it's going to perform for them and what kind of um, results that they're going to be able to get from it. So it's, it's a job that has, you know, I always have my eye on both the supply and the demand side of things and then doing my, my own part that I'm responsible for. So it's neat because I'm the kind of person that enjoys the big picture and the um, holistic side of things. So um, it doesn't seem like a lot of work to me because I really enjoy it, but I think it is one of those jobs that, you know, you're not just looking at one piece of the puzzle. You're looking at the whole puzzle. 
Well, Andrew, you, you're awesome. I know that you guys are doing it so special. And we hope to get you back in the studio because I'm just sitting here now pointing at everybody and we're laughing. And I know you're on the phone, but you're doing a great job. To wrap it up, uh, June, tell us once again, wrap up the, uh, the Brooklyn Brewery and Green Market collaboration, the Green Market Wheat Beer. And, and, and is there, can we make more beers like that with local grain? Oh, sure. Absolutely. It'd be, um, and, and there are people who are, you know, we love Kelly Taylor from Kelso. He's been great. And I think he said that at the um, place they have in Houston, the it's new House and Hall, which is a House very cool Hall. beer, where they have all the the brewers from their brewery making their favorite beers. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and he was gonna have try to have one always on a tap rotation that was gonna be made with local grain. Um, and I haven't had a chance to stop in and, and go there, but maybe we'll have a have a staff night out and go um, drink at the Houston Hall. But um, yeah, but the the. The Brooklyn Brewer, the Green Market Wheat Beer, I would love to see a Green Market Emmer Beer and a Green Market Spelt Beer. Um, there's a lot of potential here, and it really helps us raise the profile of what the project is about and to get customers to think even more deeply about the source of their food and where they're spending their food dollars, or in this case, I guess, your beverage dollars, um, and to consider those ingredients um, as Andrew was just describing, all the things that go into what it takes to get this final product. Um, when I talk about flour, it's like, oh my God, that symbol of simplicity, that wheat sheave, is just such a myth because it's really complicated. It's really hard to do. Um, so to get that, you know, to this next level where we're working, we're supporting growers, we're rebuilding infrastructure, we're getting processing facilities back in the region, this is really pulling together a regional food system that we're trying to uh, work on here. And uh, and then it helps support the work that uh, Growing My Seeds is doing. And you're so right. And if people want to bring beer to the level of wine, you talk about terroir, it's because people actually either grew their own grapes or their neighbor grew the grapes. It's the same thing. We have to have people growing their, their grains and the hops and processing them locally. And that's how you're going to get a really unique beer because – Frankly, there's so many new breweries, and I love you guys all, but guess what? You guys need to get out there and try to work on getting local grains and local hops, and that's really what's going to set you apart. And uh, cheers to everybody, all right? Thanks for coming on. And, and uh, Happy Jimmy. birthday, Jimmy. Oh, thanks, cheers. Andrea. You should come. We're not done. Guys, all right, we have a closeout. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com to help to bring this to you tonight. Jack Inslee's over there. He's trigger happy. He's back in the studio, and uh, if you like to, he, he wants a memory beer. We'll save some for you. <laughs> June, Maya, Ben, Ben didn't come, but Andrew and Christian and Justin and Maggie and everybody else. Thanks for joining me on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Insley. He's in the he's in the studio. Happy Brilliant birthday, Connor. Jimmy! All right, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>